Good to see you guys. Now, that's, that's part one. The second part is going to be your husband, Court, speaking next week. And uh, speaking of Court and speaking of wisdom, I had an interesting experience. This last week I was in Target, and I heard this really loud just laughter. And I, how many of you guys know Pastor J.D., my son? He doesn't do anything subtle. And so I heard him from across the store and I said, oh, my son's here. So I walked across the store. Sure enough, I found him. He's there. And, and we're, we're talking, hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going really good. So I'm like, okay, okay, stop. Inside voice, sweetie. Inside voice, you know. And uh, he's 27. I still have to say inside voice. But he's having fun. And, and here comes Court walking around the corner. He's got his mask on, and I got my mask on. I said, hey, Court, how's it going? And J.D. turns around to see Court, and, and he, he says something. And I, I don't hear him very well because the mask is on. How many of you know that you, if you can't see somebody's face, you can't hear what they're saying? Anybody else over 40? Slightly, by a decade and a half, right? So as Court walks by, I slap him on the arm. He's, he's, oh, he just kept walking. What a show up. And Jamie's laughing. I said, wait, he goes, that's not Court. <laughs> so local pastor arrested for assault and battery in Target as son laughs, you know, in the background. So today I want to talk to you guys about foolishness <laughs> and about wisdom. And we're going to do this in a specific area. Um, in, in Proverbs, there's a chapter where Proverbs takes on, like, a, like a, it's personified. It's a woman. And she begins to say things that, that uh, as a person, as a mother, as a, you know, a woman, a wise woman would say. And with this voice, it says this. I, wisdom, chapter 8, verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. So wisdom is knowing what to do. Prudence is knowing what not to do. Does that make sense? If you know what to do but you don't know what not to do, it doesn't really matter what you do because you'll do the things you shouldn't do. If you don't do these things, but you, you know, if I don't, if I don't, if I make sure the ground's really tilled but I don't plant any seeds, well, that, you don't get a harvest. You need to know what to do. You know what not to do. I, wisdom, dwell together with my good friend, prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. Again, knowledge knows what to do. Discretion knows what not to do. Now, it says this. With me are riches and honor enduring wealth and prosperity. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about what the wise do with their money that's different than what the foolish do with their money. There's, there really is a, a biblical set of just brilliant principles that are based on God's mathematics, based on just, you know, a multiplication, compounding interest. I think it was, was it Einstein? They said, what's the most powerful force you've discovered in the universe? And he said, compounding interest. I thought that was interesting. Um, but it really is. How many of you guys have ever been on the wrong end of compounding interest? Where, you know, I keep paying stuff, but nothing's happening versus like compounding interest working for you. I keep putting money in and more money comes back. Um, there's a certain logic. There's a certain slavery. There's a certain freedom that the wise get to understand or the fools, unfortunately, have to understand. So what do the wise do that causes them to prosper? You guys down for this this morning? Good, because I got like 23 minutes left. So here we go. Um, number one is this. They work. Mic drop. Yeah, they, they actually work. When it's time to work, they work. They find what to do with their hands. They find what to do with their hearts. They show up on time. They're sober when they get there. They're prepared. They're a little early. They stay a little late. They get promoted. Because no matter, no matter what we are, I understand whether you're the boss, the owner, the employee, there's a certain set of standards that require effort. Now, here, here's something that, that might be hard for us to grasp, but, but please hear me out. Work is not supposed to be a curse for a believer. Now, now you say, wait a minute, from the Garden of Eden, you know, work was, there's thorns and thistles, and it was part of the fall. Yeah, but, but prior to that, work was a blessing. God blessed them, said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. God said the entire planet and everything that is ever to be done is to be done through you. And it wasn't a curse. God blessed them. Say it with me. God blessed them and then sent them to do everything everywhere and have a bunch of babies. So, amen. 
Some blessings are better than others, right? So work was a blessing. We find this in Ephesians chapter 2 in uh, verse 10. We'll say just a minute, but here's, here's the King Jim version. In the simplest of terms, your work is a father-son project. And that father-son project, that daddy-daughter dance, it accomplishes something great. It satisfies your, your innate Inbred, Ephesians 2.10, we'll get to that in a second, purpose. It connects you with your creator because it's a daddy-daughter dance. It's a father-son project. And it brings God's kingdom to earth and the lives of others. Now, who doesn't want to do that? You understand, man, I got to sit on a Sunday line and screw this nut in this bolt all day. Yes, but if you understand what a blessing you are to be at that job, if you understand what a blessing it is to have breath in your lungs, if you understand what a blessing it is to produce something that matters, you'll understand it's a blessing. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, we are God's workmanship, is poema. We get our modern word palm, and we're, we're created in Christ Jesus for what? It's right on the screen. What are we created to do? Good works. It's a gift. It's a blessing. It's a revelation. It's a mystery. It's a scavenger hunt. It's a maze. It's amazing, right? Workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, and God has set you up to completely succeed because he prepared both you and the works in advance. And I know some people say, well, this is obviously the signs and the wonders and the miracles, and certainly it is. It's praying for the sick, as we have this morning. It's praying for comfort for those that are going through loss, as we have this morning. It's reading the Word. It's living the Word. It's blessings untold, absolutely. But it's also mowing your lawn. It's also shoveling your neighbor's snow. Not today, thank God, but soon enough. We're in those two weeks called summer. Don't worry, winter's right behind, right? It, it, it's also in the quality of how we drive. I, I knew it's going to be quiet until there's laughter. Like, hey, oh, no, okay, right? It's in how we construct a house. It's in how we start a business. It's in how we treat our employees. It's in how we, how we are an employee, right? We are to be signs and wonders and miracle people, but I'm going to understand that there's a character that qualifies the signs and wonders and miracles. In other words, if you can heal the sick, but you can't show up to work on time, what does that say about Jesus? If you can, if you can prophesy, but you have not love, you're just an obnoxious noise. There is a quality to our lives because we value work. Hear this, guys. There is no line between sacred and secular when you work. When you get up in the morning and you brush your teeth, you brush your teeth for the glory of God. When you deliver that package for FedEx, you deliver that package for the glory of God. When you deliver it for Amazon or UPS or your neighbor, whatever it is, when you do what you do, when you drive to work, when you wash your car, when you maintain what God has given you, when you bless your children, when you mow your grass, when you plow your snow, when you do whatever it is you do, everything is sacred. From the first moment you were born again, everything you do, you do as a priest before your God. Everything. So, no, no, it's kind of like, Jim, when you preach, that's sacred. Well, not the way you do it, but when a pastor preaches, it's supposed to be sacred. But then you go out to eat, and nothing's sacred anymore. You're just going out to eat. No, you need gas. It's just you're getting gas on the way home. It's just, listen, everything we do, we do as a priest unto our God. Everything. And if you can get your mind wrapped around that one, we're going to spend the summer getting our mind wrapped around some good things. We're going to have another three-month summer seminar. Um, thinking about what we think about this summer, neuroplasticity and Caroline Leaf and Angela Duckworth. We've got some really great stuff coming. But I would just say this. Hear me. We are going to enjoy that thought of what are we supposed to be doing and why are we supposed to be doing it. I'll tell you this. If you want to go on a diet, most of us don't get around to it. Look at me. I know what I'm talking about. I'm an expert. That was mean. Who just, that was, it was you, wasn't it, Roni? It was Tracy. <laughs> it's the woman God gave me. It worked in Genesis. It could probably work here today, right? But I tell you, but if I were going to lose weight because to lose weight meant I got to play with my grandkids, I'd lose the weight. Because the why supersedes the how am I going to do this. Does that make sense? 
So when you understand what we're doing is secondary to why we're doing it, or even greater, who we're doing it for, how many guys know we should be known for doing great stuff? When you say Amish furniture, is there not a connotation to Amish furniture that isn't the same as Art Van furniture? When you say IKEA, don't you just hate all Swedish people? And, and their horse-covered meatballs? You know what I mean? Like, I, why? Because there's a certain quality that comes with the word Amish because they believe that all that they do is sacred. And the same should be true of all believers. Amen? Not just the Amish, right? So God has promised his blessing on our labors. Our labors are sacred, and his blessing is sacred as well. Look at this, what it says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11. It says, those who work their land, those who, whatever your land is, whatever your field is, whatever your job is, whatever your task is, those who work their lives and the work that God has given them in advance will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies, those who get rich quick, those who just, I'm going to quit and quit and quit and quit and quit and quit. It's like everybody that's got this new thing next week, next week's next week. How many of you guys know that the number one common denominator 20 years ago of being a millionaire in the United States was being of direct Scottish descent? And if you know a Scot, you know why that is. No one is going to outwork them, and no one is cheaper. Forgive me. No one is cheaper than a Scottish guy. They, they can squeeze a nickel so hard the buffalo's eyes bug out, and they won't spend that nickel. They'll bury it in the backyard, right? The second, you know what the second most common denominator was of being a, mer- a millionaire 20 years ago in America? Being a school teacher. I said 20 years ago. But this is, this is why. Because they go to work, and because there's some certain benefits, because usually a spouse has employment and benefits, because they, there's that 401k. They put money in every month, little by little, little by little, diligent hands, diligent hands, working their land. Eventually, that adds up over the course of 20, 30, 40 years of career. And by the time they retire, that 401K, or the 401K, as I call it, or the 403B, or the 937s with a half twist and a gainer, right? Whatever plan you're in, if you had a little, 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 you diligently work, diligently save, diligently, you live within your means, eventually you end up being wealthy accidentally, or on purpose, right? Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have a dream. They have no sense. I'm just quoting the Bible, so do what you want with that. A faithful person, it says in chapter uh, 28, verse 20, uh, will be richly blessed. Faithful. Everybody say faithful. Fidelity, man. And we, you know, we kind of we look down on fidelity like, well, that's the most base of, you know, being on time. I've, I've got to be me. I've got to be free. I did it my way, right? We value that. But did you know that just showing up on time sober makes you a leader? It, it actually makes you stand out. Whether you're in construction or you're an engineer or, or you're an entrepreneur, showing up on time. You know that one of the two things you will be judged for before God is the quality of your work and the fidelity of your work. Well done, good, and it wasn't well done, blessed, and prosperous. Well done, bigger than the other guy. Well done, the one who had more money, more time, more bigger yachts. What will be judged by God, what he values the most, is the quality and the fidelity of our lives to what he's created us to be, good and faithful. A faithful person will be richly blessed, but one who's eager to get rich, chasing those schemes again, right? By raising mink in your bathtub on your free time, they will not go unpunished. There's a warning, right? From the fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things, and the work of their hands brings them reward. The work of their hands. Everybody say hands. Hands. You can type with these hands. You can farm with these hands. You can lay concrete with these hands. Not with this back, but with these hands, you can lay concrete. But God says our hands are supposed to be doing something in a faithful way. And when we do that, they will bring us reward. Diligent hands. Diligent. Faithful. These are not glorifying words, are they? 
These aren't sexy words. You know what I want? I want just a, you know, a spouse that's diligent and faithful. Like, no, I, everybody wants them to be beautiful or handsome. Or, but what God is saying is valuable. If we want to prosper, where the wise prosper is they show up on time, sober, and they work. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. I put in parentheses the word slavery. We, we have a, uh, a relationship in our nation with slavery. It's in our history. It's a shameful part of our our past, as, as most nations on the earth do have the subjugation of one race or one tribe or one nation as, as they bring them in and they don't pay them and so forth. But to our second point here, guys, you realize, speaking of slavery, that if you're going to be free, you've got to work diligently, faithfully, and show up on time. If you're going to be wise, that's how the wise do it. What do fools do? They show up late with excuses. What do the wise do? Show up early, ready to work, right? But if you're talking about slavery, you've got to understand this. You've got to live within God's provision. I, I, can, I can tell everybody that went through financial peace is sitting. Because there's a, there's a solid amen for those who've loved it, and there's a solid, silent oh my for, for the rest, right? Hear me. Um, prosperity. Let's talk about prosperity. Because I just, we, we go into debt because we, we want things we can't afford because we deserve them, and we've earned the right to add this credit card or this interest, and I want it now. I don't want to wait for it. But hear me. Prosperity is a cultural thing. Prosperity is, is an internal thing. Really, truly being prosperous. I think there's some people that are prosperous that don't own much. But they're free from a lot, too. I think there are people that have a bunch of stuff, but they owe all of it, and, they, and they're actually slaves to it. You say, I don't like you using the word slave. Okay, let me say it another way. Let me just ask you if you are a slave, and then I'll stop talking about slavery. How many hours a week do you have to work before the first dollar you earn actually belongs to you? What slavery is is when someone works without compensation. I'm working for you. The benefits of my work belong to somebody else. How many hours a week? This is just fun for me, me right now. You're gonna be like, I hate you. I, I, I came here like you prayed for the sick and then you made me sick. Why? Why'd you do that? I don't understand. How many hours a week do you have to work before the first hour's compensation comes to you? It doesn't go to a bank. It doesn't go to a mortgage company. It doesn't, doesn't go to a lender. It doesn't go to, you know, how many of you guys still have like Montgomery Ward's credit? And Montgomery Ward's has been out of business for 35 years, right? Prosperity. I have lived amongst people in the third world that don't have floors, but they have prosperity. They don't have medicine, but they have prosperity. They have Jesus. They have family. They, they work hard with their hands. They're blessed by the Lord, and they are prosperous, not because of what they have, but because of what they can live without and still have joy unspeakable and full of glory. I have never once taken a, a team on a third world, if you will, missions trip where they came back wondering who was really poor because it, it wasn't them. We were in Cuba uh, a little over a year ago. Those people served us and served us and served us and served. You know, we're doing, like, cement work. and like, give me the shovel. It's like, I'm not a tourist. I'm actually here to work. And then you grab the shovel in the tropical heat, and three minutes later, like, here, it's your turn. I'll watch you for a while, you know, because it's super hot. And, and I, I remember it was time to go, and it's almost like a relief. Like, we're almost like, okay, they have been feeding us. We went on a third-world missions trip to serve the God of the poor and came back 10 pounds heavier. That's going to be hard to explain to our spouses, you know. To our church, like, boy, you came back with an extra chin. What a wonderful souvenir, you know? And they said, we have one last thing for you. And they walked us up to an upper room. That The only thing that had air conditioning was this prayer room, 24-7 prayer. And, that, and I walked in. There was a dozen of us. And there were a dozen basins of water and a dozen towels. And I walked in. I went, they're going to wash our feet. And I, was, I, just, I literally was like, I started to turn around. But there's one way in. People are walking towards me. And next thing I know, I'm in the back of the room. It's like, how many of you guys know that, that there, was a, there was a joy 
in poverty because Jesus was with them. They weren't comparing themselves to the Americans. They weren't comparing themselves to Castro. They weren't comparing themselves to other Caribbean nations. They were, they were saying it's such a joy to be faithful and diligent and serve. You've got to live within God's provision. Look at, this is the saying of a king, by the way. Look at this. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Don't refuse me, please. Before I die, let these things be true. Number one, keep all lies and all liars just a million miles away from me. And here's the second thing. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, yeah, who's the Lord? Man, I don't need anything. I'm, I haven't thought about him in weeks, right? Or I may become poor and when I'm hungry. I would take something that doesn't belong to me, and I would dishonor the name of my God. I want you to think of it this way. Yeah, this is an old teaching. For those of you who have been around for 10 years or more, you would have seen something like this. The land of not enough, just enough, and more than enough. You guys still doing good? This is I got 10 minutes left before I start landing the plane for another 25 minutes. We good? All right, good. All right. Not enough. This is what America looks like. The average person in our community, when I looked at this uh, 10 years ago, made $40,000. That was the that was the household income of uh, 48430 was $40,000. But here's what the average American is doing. They're living off the $40,000, but they're leveraging another $4,000 a year in debt. So it still fits another $40,000, but they're making what is known in the credit industry as easy payments. That's like easy contractions. Ladies, that was for you. I had no idea, but it looks awful. And it, my hand still is sore sometimes on rainy days because she was squeezing it, right? Easy payments. So if we live above God's provision for us, little by little, we're creating those hours that we serve others for no benefit to ourselves, also known as slavery. If we live above God's provision, now God's provision may be $400,000, it may be $40, it doesn't matter. Whatever God has brought your way is God's provision. Somebody say amen. Whatever your diligent hands, showing up on time sober, being faithful, working hard, produces because of the blessings of the Lord. Let's just say it's $40,000. You say, God, thank you for all of your blessings but you haven't blessed me enough for Christmas to be what I want it to be. You haven't blessed me enough so that, so that my car is something I can be proud of. You haven't blessed me enough. So we go beyond God's blessings and we begin to bless ourselves. Anybody know where this is going? You know, is it, I mean, is it true that God said you can't eat from any tree in the garden? And Eve goes, well, no, you can eat from every tree but that one. Well, did God really say? Is that, you know, we can't even touch it. Oh, you can touch it, sweetie. You can, that, God's keeping something from you. God's blessings are insufficient for you. If God won't bless you, you deserve to bless yourself. This, does this sound familiar to anybody else? This is Genesis chapter 3. The original sin and the original dynamics of sin, God's blessings are not enough. You should bless yourself above what he blesses you. That's what credit is waiting there to do. That's what the slave master, not the master card, the slave master card is waiting for you to do, right? So if we live above that, every dollar we borrow becomes ours we give away until that debt is repaid. And often the credit industry is slanted in such a way that you will never pay it off. Student loans. That's all. Just wanted to say it. Not enough. Just enough. What if we made $40,000 when we spent $40,000? It's wonderful. I, every bill that came in, everything that I needed by the end of the year is provided. Think of it in the terms of there were slaves in Egypt, Israel was back in the day, and then they were, they were liberated from that and brought out into the wilderness where only what was needed that day was provided. But understand this, guys. Even though it's a wonderful dynamic, God didn't keep them in the wilderness. The wilderness is where contentment is developed and sin dies. 
where we learn to trust God, where we learn not to do what we don't have to do. So we don't borrow anything. If you were to say, I'll never, I'm not going to borrow another dollar for the next 12 months, you'd be living in that wilderness. You'd be paying off the debts that you do have. You'd be learning how to trust God because the kids are going back to school. And I, I mean, I suppose I could call them shorts, but they, you know, he grew so much this last year that my, the pants that went down to his ankles are now halfway to his knees because he grew. And all that. what am I supposed to do with that? As we begin to develop, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. If it has to fall from heaven, I'm going to trust you, God, to provide what my family needs because I will not go back to Egypt. Do you do that? Often you'll find yourself in that place. You didn't borrow another dollar. There weren't a lot of dollars left over, but God provided for your means. Now, understand this. If you can live there, you can live in this last place, the land of more than enough. And isn't it interesting that in the first one, not enough, we spent $44,000. In the middle one, we spent $40,000. And in the last one, we spent $36,000. So wait a minute. I'm spending less money. How am I happier? When all of your needs are met and there's still stuff left over, regardless of what those numbers are, you're happier. You have more week than you do paycheck, you're unhappy. If you have more paycheck than you do week, you're happy. When God has met your needs and there's more than enough because you live within your means, you learn how to discipline yourself and trust the Lord and God's blessings. We have this in just a minute. But where God, if you can position yourself where God has promised his blessing, you can't make God bless you, but you can be under the spout where the glory comes out. You can put yourself there. I'm telling you, please hear my heart. I get no benefit from this. I'm not like here because I hate credit cards. I'm not like uh, Dave Ramsey pays me a commission if I say this. I'm simply telling you as your pastor and as your friend, never borrow another dollar again as long as you live and you will live a different life than those who leverage their paycheck and spend more money than God provides. And if you will live wisely in that land of just enough, you're paying off debt. It's a, a zero net budget every month, and it's paid off working those extra things and having the garage sale and antelope-like exa- intensity and all the stuff that Dave has taught me to say, right? But I get no benefit other than using his truth and quoting him, right? Then all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a place where there's a need, and you can meet it. Something breaks, and you can fix it. Something doesn't work. You know somebody that has some, some tragedy in their life. You can just write a check and just kind of throw it in the mailbox, and God bless you. You can become, hear me, if you'll position yourself where God's blessings are, you can become a blessing to where God's blessings are needed. You don't hear about mission stories because you're on those trips meeting those needs. You don't hear about a neighbor in need. You don't hear about a kid's bike that got broken. Thank God. He's going to die on that bike. So I, I, that was an answer to my prayer. He didn't get hurt. The bike is dead. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. So it's probably my fault, you know. But does this make sense to you? If you live beneath what God's provision is, there's that margin. Everybody take a good deep breath. And say the word margin. Not margarine. That's bad. But margin is the butter of life. It really is, man. The last thing is this. And uh, it's just position yourself for God's blessing. And I, I just want to say this. You, trust me when I say you want to position yourself for God's blessing. You, you really, really, because two plus two equals four, yes? But two plus Jesus equals anything and everything. You, you really want to take your efforts, your resource, your time, your heart, your gift. You really, really, really want those. You want God's blessing out of it because God's blessing multiplies. It actually says this, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Now, let me say this again. There is a blessing that comes through painful toil. I dug a ditch. It was really hard. I was sweating. It was awful. I got paid my $12 an hour. I paid my bills. That's a blessing to be able to work. Somebody say amen. But there's another blessing 
that comes that doesn't have painful toil attached to it. In other words, this is that unexpected stuff. This is that it came from where, and my grandpa did what, and where did I, the car showed up from who. This is when God just does what only God can do, and it's just like a little kiss from heaven. It's a blessing, right? I, one of my favorite ones recently was Jim and Kerry Park, and um, Pastor Les is uh, selling cars, you know, and he's, he's got the deal on the lot, and he's, he goes to the auction. Now he sent me a video of the day. His feet are up on the chair. He's in his basement office. There's a video screen, and there's an auction going on, and he's like, hey, live in the dream, baby, and he's another one. You, how many of us know that Pastor Les is Pastor J.D.'s father-in-law? I understand why J.D.'s wife married him. It, it makes perfect sense because both of them couldn't sneak up on a corpse. You know what I mean? Like, hey, how's it going? You know, hey, I'm trying to sleep. That was terrible. I should have said that. But, but, but Jim bought a van off of Pastor Les and had it for three months. Carrie is a public school teacher, and, and there's certain days that the students are in the room, certain days they're not, but she has to be in the room. She has to be in, the, in that environment so many hours a week, so she was there. So she looked up uh, on a, something called Carvana. You know what Carvana is? They have vending machines for cars. When I was a kid, we had gumballs, and we were thankful. Amen, you young people nowadays. So, so she looked at what is this van worth, put in the VIN number, and they made an offer for $8,000 more than what they paid for. Well, how many guys know this is a con? There's no way they're going to do that. So she does what every good wife does. She says, Jim, look into that. So Jim looks into it, and sure enough, it's a legit offer. They go down, and because the car, the van they had was what was needed, that was what the hot market was, because they bought three months ago when there's more used cars than now, the, the Lord's blessing made them rich, and there was no painful toil. I said, Jim, how many, how many extra hours as a, as a paramedic would you have to work to raise $8,000? How many hours would your wife have to be in a classroom to get paid $8,000? So that's the blessing of the Lord. They just started their home campus, what, four, five, six weeks ago. They're making sacrifices. They're making decisions. This is what I'm saying. Please hear me. And I'm not saying you have to start a home campus, and God will bless you too. I'm, what I'm saying is this. When you position yourself where God is pouring out blessings, some of it will get on you. When you position yourself where God will never bless, never bless, you position yourself where you will never be blessed. They position themselves with their home, with their life, with their car, with their calling, with their obedience, with their sacrifice. And when they got that $8,000 check, you know what they did? They went and they bought a Ford Flex that was used, plenty of miles left on it, and they paid cash for it. The Lord's blessing makes a man rich. And adds no sorrow to it. Last two things are something like this. Piano guy, join me if you would, please. Um, we're supposed to honor God. This is a real test and a real trust. Wealth and money and stuff, always been a test, always been a trust. But it says this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. I don't know how this works, but I know that it does. I know that when we say, God, you know, you come first um, in all things. If it's a blessing, it came from you. And for me to just keep all of that and not give it away to you or give it away to others or dishonor you or dishonor others. Like, I mean, I just know that wealth shouldn't isolate us from people in need. It should actually push us into a community that has what we have, that needs what we have. That makes sense? So we should be honoring the Lord. And this is not a tithing sermon, but it is an honoring God sermon. Proverbs tells us this, that when we increase, there's, we should be asking the question, because God has honored me, how does the Lord want me to honor him? And so the Lord wants us to honor him through, through giving to him. And I don't know how that works in your life. I'm not sure if that's a here or radio ministries or feeding kids in Haiti. And I'll be really honest with you. It matters to me. But what matters to me more is your obedience to what God's telling you to do, not where that obedience ends up. Like, we're going to trust God for here. We're going to trust you to trust God for where it wants to be. But all of us, hear me, we should all be honoring God with our increase. Okay, second thing we should be doing is we should be honoring people because there's a world that's in need. 
There are kids in Haiti. There are classrooms in Ethiopia. There, there are missions teams in Costa Rica right now as we speak. There are, there are needs all over the world. It's happening in India. It's got a heartbreaking letter from a friend, Prabhadas, in uh, Chilakalu, India. Just, they're just, it's worse than anything we've imagined here, anything we've seen here anywhere. They're just like, they're just throwing dead bodies into the Ganges River. They don't have time to even burn them. And the water source is polluted. It's just absolutely um, oh, apocalyptic is the word. It's absolutely apocalyptic. But, but it says this. Listen, one person gives freely and yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, becomes poverty. Look, at a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. How does that work? How do I, if I've got a loaf of bread, I mean like loaves of bread, and people are coming by and I say, here's one, and I give it to them, and here's one, and I give it to them, and here's one, and I, get, and I turn around, somehow the pile got higher. That doesn't make any sense, right? Like, where did that bread come from? The blessings of the Lord. But I didn't work for that. I didn't bake that bread. I didn't grow that wheat. I didn't mill that flour. I didn't get rid of the chaff from the seed. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. I didn't mix the yeast. I didn't, where did that come from? I don't know. But I know this. God says there's hungry people, and I want them fed. So whoever positions themselves to be a blessing. There are people that need a mentor. There are people that need an entrepreneur to teach them how to be an entrepreneur. There's te- people that need care and, you know, casseroles and quilts and anything else that starts with a sound, right? There are people that have needs. And, he's, and the, God, the Lord says this, if you'll take care of people's needs like I would take care of people's needs, you will know the blessings of your God, whatever that is. One person gives freely, it gains even more. How? I, this is the only way I've ever learned how to teach it, and I believe this is true, but it's so, so simple it almost sounds like I'm, like I'm treating it like kindergartners. But once upon a time, if I had 10 bags of seed and I, and I turned it all into flour, I would have an abundance to eat. But when that flower was gone and the seeds with it, I would be done. So one person holds unduly and comes to nothing. One person gives freely. If I were to take those 10 bags of seed and I, and I grab one and I, and I start putting it out into soil, I grab another one, put it out in the soil, grab another one, put it out in the soil. You understand, I still, I have three now that aren't in my hands anymore. I have seven left and I can turn them into flower. Why? Because I've planted three and I know that, that those seeds now live under a different covenant they live under a different paradigm than the seeds that are going to become my bread. Does that make sense? So when I have seed out there, I know that seed in good soil, seed that is watered, seed that God blesses, becomes more seed, 30, 60, 100 times that which is sown. So this is how this works. When we say God will take care of people, God will honor you, God will make sure that kids have shoes, and I'll make sure that marriages get counsel. I'll make sure there's money for groups and T-shirts that kids that are in bike crashes can wear to witness to 80-year-old men. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that I'll, I will live generously on that margin that was created through obedience and wisdom. And, and when I do that, how many of you guys know that as I turn around to give more away, I'll realize I have more to give away. It's just the way it works, right? Position ourselves. Work hard. Live within God's provision and position yourself for God's blessing. This is a, as basic a tutorial as I can give you from the entirety of the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. But I promise you this. We missed 27 things. But if you do these three things, if you work hard, you're faithful, you're diligent, if you live within God's means and you stop the slavery to borrowing, you live from the land of uh, not enough to just enough, and you make it to more than enough, you that progress. You start to diligently save little by little. You put it into people's hands that know what they're doing or your own hands or whatever. But you, you faithfully, you honor God. You honor God's people. You take care of folks. You bring the kingdom to earth. God is going to bless the wise. But God cannot bless the fool. God can rescue the fool. Maybe that's where you are right now. I said it last week and it sounded mean. So I'll say it this week with a smile on my face. 
If you're still on unemployment and there are jobs being offered to you, even if those jobs pay less than unemployment, you should take the job. Why? Because, because lazy hands, God can't bless. Diligent hands, God blesses. If you're waiting for some sort of lottery win to begin to take care of other people, to bake the casseroles, to honor God, to help a kid go to camp. God can forgive foolish, but he can't bless it. God only blesses that which is wise. Always, always, always wise. Position yourself. Wisdom. Always, always, always. God's blessing is there. Position yourself where fools are. He can rescue from it, but you got to be willing to leave it. You got You can't say, I'm, I'm cursed. Oh, God, please get me out of here. I just, I'm, I'm in, I'm in debt. I'm, I'm a slave to Egypt. Please get me out of here. He goes, okay, the doors are open. Yeah, no. I would, but man, the meat here is really good and there's leeks and there's garlic and I would miss that. So someday, I, here's, my, here's my closing thought. Since someday never comes, let's just get rid of the word and make someday today. Stop borrowing money. Consider everything God puts in your hand a blessing and be grateful for it. Be content with what he gives you. Whether it's a dirt floor or, or a, a metal roof, doesn't matter. Make sure to honor him. Make sure to work hard. Make sure to take care of people. How many can see very clear? It's very simple. How many guys believe with all your heart? If you do that, your life 10 years from now will be different than it has been in the last 10 years. It's very simple. You see it, right? So, Father, I pray that you would teach us not to the place of knowledge, but the place of wisdom and prudence. So there's some things we need to do, and there's some things we need to stop doing. So there's conversations we need to have. There's stuff that needs to be in writing. There's, there's firm decisions that come out of a moment like this that change generations. Isn't that wild? That one generation can pass wealth to the next generation to the next one to the next one? Crazy. So, Lord, I, I thank you that you've established such a beautiful earth that produces a beautiful culture that produces a beautiful freedom in this country that can produce. And I, I pray that you bless us as we position ourselves for blessing. Let us stop looking at the world saying, since God didn't bless me the way I want to be blessed, I now bless myself through credit. Bless myself through disobedience. The wise are prospering, and every part of our life that is foolish needs rescuing. God, please, as we groan, as Egypt groaned in slavery, please deliver us from sin, from disobedience, from addiction to slavery. Forgive us and heal our minds to think as you think, to, to be wise in our decisions, in our words, in our actions. I know within the next week, everybody that makes this decision will be tested in one way or another. Something will break. There'll be something on sale. There'll be something with no interest for 24 months. The world is good at this lie. It's prepared to steal from us. And I pray that even now we'd make decisions that would be invulnerable to the lies of the devil. Seal within us these words to work hard. It's all sacred to live within our means with gratitude and remember that we are blessed to be a blessing in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you're like, I, man, I, ugh, I'm not right with God in this area and others, but literally right now, I'm on the wrong side of the line. There's a line that delineates truth from lie, wisdom from foolishness, sin from righteousness. And if you're on the wrong side of any line right now, the good news is this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, bring us to the side of righteousness and cleanse us as if it never happened. If you have foolishness in your life of any degree, not just finances or work or debt, but just 
foolishness. God, I've been foolish, and I need your mercy. Would you raise your hand right now? Just before the Lord. My eyes aren't open, but both my hands are up. God, of the things that I have been not diligent and foolish in, God, I pray, forgive me. And let us proceed with wisdom and prudence, knowledge and discretion, that which I should do and that which I should never do again. Bless every uplifted hand, every open heart, and every home it's attached to. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You guys doing okay? Hey, we just talked about money and nobody left. What should we talk about next week just to try that again? Let's see. Why don't you all stand to your feet? And uh, as we dismiss today, you're going to be escorted. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, seriously, though, in about, what, 20 minutes or so, we clean the room. So you got 20 minutes in this room. It's beautiful outside unless it started raining. I don't see any water yet. And, and just enjoy. This is not a socially distant service. We believe you're here because you don't have concerns about that. So God bless you. You're dismissed. Go away. Read some books. Have some fun. We'll see you soon.